welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter. Luke writes, Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. It is indeed great to see so many on what is the record-setting cold, I'm sure, day. Uh, So many of you have come out in spite of that uh, here on this uh, Transfiguration Sunday. I know a number of congregations uh, in and around uh, Miles City have canceled worship uh, uh, this morning because of the inclement weather. And uh, uh, pray that those folks who are not able to gather... Uh, to come together, remember the word synagogue, sunagoge, uh, to gather together. Those who are not able to gather together might tune in today and participate in this time of worship with us, uh, and also equally mindful of those stockmen and uh, their their animals uh, who are out uh, in this weather and cannot uh, take a day off because of its inclemency. Uh, a uh, text message from one of our ranchers this morning uh, said, boy, been at this since February 20th, and it seems like over a month already. Uh, and so uh, mindful of them, our prayers for them, uh, for that hard labor that they do and the, uh, the livestock that they are caring for. Our visitors uh, chose a cold day to come out and join us. Thank you. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, and so uh, we are here. Uh, in this nice uh, setting, this warmth, this 
holy place, holy not because of uh, the building, but uh, sacred and holy because of what we do together here, that is, worship our God. Uh, This year, looking at the gospel according to Luke, really, I think Luke's become my favorite gospel, kind of late in life to figure that out, I know, but I think Luke is probably my favorite. Um, uh, First of all, I like his style. I like the fact that he's uh, an investigator. Okay, We attribute to him the uh, profession, the vocation of a physician, so he would be both literate and uh, good at making diagnoses of things. Okay, And uh, uh, Luke, uh, if it weren't for him and his careful investigation and preservation of those things that we uh, kind of too easily take for granted, such as, oh, the Christmas story, uh, how much impoverished would the uh, uh, church be? And so we owe Luke a great uh, deal of a, grat- a debt of gratitude, uh, both in his uh, uh, his gospel uh, that he accomplished, uh, uh, writing to either the historical person or metaphorical person, uh, Theophilus, Theosphilios, lover of God, maybe even intending that for you, lover of God this story of Christ, and also in his companion volume, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, giving us insight into the early church that we would otherwise simply not have. And so really, I've come to appreciate Luke, and in Luke's account of that which we've come to call the transfiguration of our Lord, things seem to me to be happening, and I, I really, I think this is the first time I've, I've thought about it in this way, things seem to be happening at two levels, okay, at two levels. On the one hand, there is this mystical and sublime telling of Jesus in the presence of Moses and Elijah, okay, the two uh, most profoundly important men of uh, of God's people in the First Testament. They were thought and known to have been harbingers of the coming of the Messiah that they long waited for. So we have this very spiritual, mystical aspect to the uh, account of the transfiguration. And then on the other hand, we have insight into the inner circle, those closest to Jesus sort of in descending order of, uh, of, of significance to our Lord, Peter, John, and James. They appear stunningly ordinary to me. Okay? Uh, and, and if I be put a point on that, Peter comes across a bit ham-handed uh, in his response to that which, on the other side of this story, is mystical and and, uh, and and very profoundly spiritual. Hey, let us build three shelters. Um, okay, that's Peter for you. Um, he can be at one and the same time insightful and, and profoundly faithful and had just declared Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, and yet he's the same guy who's going to go on and just not too long into the future deny he even knows Jesus three times. How human. The season of Lent. Well, that's near to hand now, isn't it? The time of Epiphany wanes. 
as this final Sunday is observed today, the transfiguration of our Lord. Um, I'm sure you're mindful or aware that Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. We've begun gathering the uh, palm branches from last Palm Sunday, and the children on Wednesday will reduce them to ash, and we will use them for the imposition of ashes, the wearing of the sign of the cross upon our brow as a way of beginning that penitential season. Lent comes once more as an invitation to be intentional about our reflection and preparation for the observance of the passion and death of Jesus Christ. And it also comes, I think, um, if we have ears to hear, as a sober reminder of our own mortality, okay, of our own priorities, or perhaps as an invitation to change some of those priorities and, and re-examine them. Transfiguration Sunday observes an event, though, that was powerful in the recollection of Peter, James, and John, because I suspect they're probably the source of the story itself. From Nobody else is there, Peter, James, and John. And only when Luke pulls it out of them through his investigative work in writing his gospel does this story come to, come to light. The transfiguration for Peter, James, and John, it was wholly beyond their rational comprehension. Okay, and again, the Christian faith, our faith is is uh, is not a rational faith. Those things that we profess and say we believe, uh, it neither is it irrational. But I want to suggest to you, your faith is transrational. Okay, it goes, it doesn't go down the lines of uh, rational thought, but it invites us to go places beyond the rational mind. It invites us to go to those holy spiritual places that make us who we are. And so we are left to ask, I think, reading this account in Luke's Gospel of the Transfiguration, what does all this mean? What does all this mean? Why did Luke even put it there? Well, again, during the course of his investigation, it came out from Peter, James, and John firsthand uh, what had taken place there on that high mountain apart. And I believe uh, that there are two tracks to Luke's reporting of the transfiguration. On the one hand, Jesus is present in the presence of Moses and Elijah, the greatest of the law and the greatest of the prophets. But Jesus does this. He didn't have to take Peter, James, and John with him, did he? Jesus does this in their presence. And then Luke inserts into this beatific vision of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Luke inserts into this beautiful vision a text that I would have wanted edited out if I were Peter. Okay, if I was the head of the church, <laughs> I just said, nah, Luke, let's do some revision work here. You see, both lanes of this account, uh, Jesus and the disciples, they converge finally near the end as the Father spoke instructional words in the face of Peter's rambling on something about building shelters. In the face of this great mystery, he had just been privileged to witness. I'm fascinated as to why Luke, in the midst of this powerful account, placed any emphasis at all as well upon the disciples' relative sleepiness. Okay? Right in the middle of this mountaintop experience, fall words I frankly would have wanted gone. 
If I were Peter, Luke writes, now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two who stood with him. It comes to me that since these words are so strikingly odd, Luke must have included them for a specific reason. For example, the contrast between Jesus, the sublime, Peter, John, and James. Yeah, kind of like us in many ways, huh? Moreover, Luke focused us upon a stumbling, almost befuddled Peter as he goes on in Peter's lame offer to build shelters. And Luke says, well, he did so, quote, not knowing what he'd said, unquote. Peter seems off track until the voice of the Father is heard. The voice of the Father became God's way of shocking Peter back into sensibility. Just stop it! This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. This is a public pronouncement of the Father heard by the disciples, and it is an interesting juxtaposition to very similar words that Jesus himself heard at his baptism. Remember those words? John baptizes Jesus. He comes up out of the water. Jesus Here's the words, you are my son, with you I am well pleased. So we go from this private um, pronouncement to Jesus at his baptism to now this public pronouncement. Maybe that's why the three were brought along. It's a pronouncement to the church. Okay, Peter, John, and James, this one is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. How is it that so many things in my life, and I suspect yours, things that are of enormous consequence, have often seemed to come right in the middle of my total lack of preparation, my unpreparedness for them? Have you had that experience? Something overwhelming occurs. How human, how like me it is to have it seem, particularly initially, quite unreal. Perhaps as if in a dream. You know what I mean? It's like there's a knock on the door. Or there's a phone call that you hadn't expected. An email or a text message today. Or a subtle request, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And then, and then something forces us totally out of our element. With such things comes often a new reality that leaves no room for complacency or sleepiness, if you will, as we suddenly find ourselves in a whole new set of circumstances. The circumstances of which we, end of which we cannot know such that we might be more like Peter than we are initially aware, retreating to our safe places, like saying, hey, let us build three shelters for you, okay? 
acting busy for the sake of doing something. And I think perhaps that's an effort at trying to seek or regain control, I, I suppose. I don't know. But perhaps this why this uh, second more pedestrian perspective uh, aspect to the transfiguration was actually included by Luke in an otherwise wondrous account on a mountaintop. Right in the midst of weariness and confusion, God's word is the same today as it was to Peter, James, and John. Though heavy-lidded and tired-eyed, the three were, in fact, addressed by the Father. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Stop what you are doing. Stop trying to control it all and listen. Now, I'm going to suggest that when the cross, a cross, your cross, looms large, God's word will still come through if you will listen. If you are among those who listen. Today's lesson opened with the seemingly irrelevant words. Kind of just, wasn't just Luke's way of opening the account. But the seemingly irrelevant words eight days after these sayings. Did you wonder what sayings Luke referred to? The words were not just Luke's way of opening the story of the transfiguration. Eight days after what sayings? What Jesus had just said was this. If anyone to become my followers, my disciples, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Save it. When that phone call comes, when the doorbell rings, when a solemn face physician delivers words that tear your world asunder, God's word to you remains the same as God's word, as the Father's word was to Peter, John, and James on that remote mountaintop. This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And if you will but listen, all else will work itself out. For as surely as Peter was burden to witness the crucifixion, our faith promises that we shall be witness to the resurrection if we listen to him. And that, my friends, is perhaps the final and most profound epiphany of all, that we will see it ourselves. The light that illuminated Jesus was not in the transfiguration, was not a reflected light from some other source, from any external source. The light was from within Jesus, for Jesus is proclaimed as the light. The voice of the Father was to summon Peter and John and James, and so the church, from complacency, from its sleepiness. Okay, into the realm of an active faith, mission, and ministry. That's something the church is right now undertaking, reawakening. When Peter, James, and John came down from the mountain, they said nothing to anyone about what they'd experienced until our friend Luke drew it out of them. Okay, tell me more. 
tell me more. The time for telling, you see, would only come after the resurrection, as the church, and as Luke in particular, uh, began this odyssey that we are all embarked upon. Jesus' chosen means to spread his word. His gospel was through the church. And he established it in the world, and we embrace it and carry it forward into the 21st century. And while Peter, John, and James said nothing to anyone when they came down from the mountaintop, we, on the other hand, need be neither timid nor silent. In fact, we are called to the opposite, to be active in our community, in our congregation, in our families, in our schools. We are invited to let our light so shine, in the words of the baptismal liturgy, before others that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Well, on this Transfiguration Sunday, you know, we can recognize it, that Peter had come a long way from his former life in a fishing boat. Peter, at this point, though, had no idea just how much further he was to go. But you see, faith is like that. If we will listen to him, the things that are to be accomplished, the places we are to go, they will in the end accomplish that for which we've been called and to which we've been called and glorify our Father in heaven. For together, we are the church. We are the church. Christ left us not a written word, not one. He left us a church. And the church is full of people like Peter and John and James and you and me who have our moments on the mountaintop. But then we return to the plain. But when we return, we are and have been forever changed. For we have heard the words that first were spoken to Jesus in private. You are my son. With you I am well pleased. Repeated to the church, John, James, Peter. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And they are spoken again today in your hearing. God bless you as you take them, make them your own, live out your faith. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.